What up, this is your boy DJ EFN. You might know me as a drink champ, but first and foremost, I'm a proud father. I linked up with two of my other dad homies, Manny Digital and KGB, to start the Fatherhoods podcast. Each week, we bring you insider hip-hop stories, parenting, and advice and therapy. The saying is true, it takes a village, and we humorously serve as each other's trusted counsel in figuring out how not to screw up being a good dad. Fatherhood podcast. Beats, rhymes, and diapers. All right. Yo, today we have with us the fame record exec responsible for the deals that brought us the eargasmic talents of Big Pun, Mob Deep, the Alcoholics, MOP, and of course the iconic Wu Tang Clan, among others, via the Loud Records umbrella. This dad joins us today with his sons so we can have a dope accountability discussion and touch on the legacy that is Rifkin. Right now on the Fatherhoods Podcast, we welcome Steve Rifkin and his sons Alex Rifkin and up-and-coming emerging superstar, Mr. Rye Riff. Welcome. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? So this is a first for us. We've 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 uh, we've had parents on, but we never had the uh, the father son com- combo here. So this is this, this is our, this is our first too. Oh, dope. dope. Good. So no, this, we we haven't rehearsed this. So if there's fuck ups, it's all good. We're just gonna roll. Right. No question. So, cool. So, so yeah, okay. Why don't you kick off, bro? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, Steve, you're always kind of heralded as one of, uh, one of the most loved record execs. Uh, a lot of people stand up for you and, uh, for good reason. Um, what, what I find interesting with this convo right here is that this is a, this is a generational convo, right? You're, you're a famed music guy. And then now you've got your sons in the music game. And I know you've talked about this on, on, with other interviews, but, you know, you come from a, a, a legacy of, of, you know, a music family. So I'm curious what it was like for you growing up um, you, with your dad. It was Spring Records, correct? Yeah. And how he parented you, how, how that is reflecting in, in, in how you're carrying along with your sons. Um, how he parented, you know, when I was actually there, you know, right. Alex is 25 and Ryan's just turned 20. So, but when I was a kid, I don't know if I really wanted to be in the music business. Mm. You know, I thought I was going to be a professional basketball player. <laughs> but I, ne- I never grew to be that height. Um, so, you know, and then I was majorly dyslexic. I didn't know how to read or write till I was 14 years old, 14, 15 years old. Get the so fuck out I was, of here. So I was getting in a shitload of trouble with Robin Steeling. Um, and my grandfather, who actually started us all, um, retired down to Florida. And he flew me down to Florida. And he says, you're going to end up dead or in jail. Um, why don't you go in the music business? He goes, you know, talk to your father. I said, my father doesn't want me around. You know, so um, he goes, I'll talk to him. And that's how I ended up starting. I was, I was 18 years old. And I was supposed to just go on the road for like a week or two. And that two weeks ended up being two and a half years, just zigzagging across the country, visiting radio stations. That's how I pretty much put the whole street team together. Don't forget, there were no cell phones. There was no GPS. It was just me and a $10 worth of quarters to just get the, because I didn't know how to read a map because I was dyslexic. So I would have to, you know, 
get, you know, if I was in Mobile, Alabama, and I had to go to Birmingham, Alabama, I would call the radio station, and I would literally write notes on how to get from Birmingham to Mobile. They would, like, b- break down the, the basically the directions. Like, yeah, you know, get up at wow. this exit, make a left, go, for, you know, so... Um, that's wild. That's what, but I had the time, but I had the time in my life. And, and it, so your dad didn't want anything to do with you. You said, uh, and that was based on the fact that you were kind of a knucklehead. I mean, my, my, my dad loved me. Don't get me wrong. My no, dad no. truly loved me. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. But you know, from the business side, nobody knew what, dysle- nobody knew what dyslexia was. Mm. Right. So, so when I, when I, so when I finally came back from the road, I'm 20, 21 years old now. He wanted me in the office every day. And I'm like, I would go to your office, but I'm not going to be there at 10 o'clock. I'll be there at 2 o'clock because I'm out all night. Right? Yeah. So, you know, and, and he, so that that concept was like, you know, and I lived around the corner from the office in the, in the city. And he would call me literally at 10, 15, the second he walked into that office. Where are you? I'm like, you know, I, I'm out at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm not coming in now. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, was he in was he in music mode twenty four seven or did he like come home and then it was I, like yeah dad time? no 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 there was never um my dad loved being in the music business like truly loved it I mean I never saw a guy work the phones to the day he died mm. I mean there was always a phone just glued to his ear and and me were you know I'm the king of like a three second conversation I can't talk no more than a minute because then I start thinking about other shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so taking that into account right um i, I kind of want to f- fast forward just a bit um because you you've been credited for putting together some unorthodox sort of situations particularly with wu-tang right like you saw an opportunity to take a big ass group of guys with a lot of skills and a completely different sound that was a cut you know that was customary at the time and you figured out all right I'm going to I'm going to get this group together and kind of give them the liberty to do whatever they want. Kind of touching on you not really having long conversations. That feels like a big ass conversation. How, how did that actually become what it was? It, it, it really wasn't. Rizzo showed up at the office on my 31st birthday and we spoke and the guys were there. Um, and the office was a real small office. It was a guest office at a bar save, but Lad was really Lad was based in L.A. And um, he, he said, you mind if the guys come up? And I was with East Swift with the alcoholics. I'm like, yeah, no problem. The guys come in and we're in a box. Like, you know, it's like just picture a crowded spot where you, you can't move, right? And they're all performing Protect Your Neck, literally live to the record. <laughs> Some guy verges, opens up the door, says, that's that shit. I look at him. He leaves. I never see him again. To this day, I ask Richard, to this day, did you set me up? And he's like, nah, I didn't set him up. So whoever this guy is, I got a check for him waiting. That's a big fucking check. Was I signed it because of that energy? Wow. Um, so w- when the deal came, they said they wanted to do solo records. I managed New Edition. So Bobby wanted a solo record. Ralph wanted a solo record. Johnny wanted a solo record. BB. I was like, all right, cool. The only one who's bigger than the group was truly Michael Jackson. But Michael Jackson really wasn't even bigger than the Jackson Five. Mm. So I was like. They could spin it as long as we have the first right. And it was about survival for me because the alcoholics were cool. We, we didn't go gold yet, but we were at 300000 So we were making a name for ourselves. And I had the marketing company, the Stephen Rifkin company, 
which was the premier marketing company at that time. We were working everybody's record. I said, you know what? This is about survival. They can, as long as we can match, we're good. And the, the rest is history. Wow. So, Alex, you are co-CEO of your, of your own label right now, right? Chosen. What what have wait, you wait man you want to say one more please so you you invo- you have your your own uh label chosen music is that right did i go out yes there? okay um so i'm i'm curious like obviously you you've heard the stories a ton a ton of times just being in the presence of your dad how much how much f- did you borrow from his experiences so that you didn't have to take any missteps in kind of where you are today and how much of it has been kind of learning through the lumps in your, you know, I know it hasn't been a ton of time. I think two or three years, right? You've been in the seat that you're in. Um, this is the second year of our deal. The biggest thing I, I got from my dad, honestly, is just um, a, a move forward type of mindset. No matter what, no matter what happens, just keep going, keep working hard. When I was in sixth grade on my AU team, he told us, if you go 100 percent, I'll give you the world. And that kind of that that phrase kind of was my foundation for because I played basketball first. Yep. And that was my foundation for basketball. So once that basketball is over, that bled into now what I'm doing. So um, especially developing artists with today with 50,000 songs being released a day, you have to have that type of mindset because you could as soon as you put it out. It could pop off quick and it could die quick or it could take a minute to build. So if you're not patient enough and willing to work hard through the triumphs and the speed bumps, like you just said, it's not going to work. So that's the biggest thing I've really taken from him outside of obviously having the privilege of being in meetings with, you know, superstars of each generation and just getting all types of game. But the game, in my opinion, doesn't really mean anything if you don't have the mindset to keep pushing when you're faced with an obstacle. So that's the biggest thing I, I've, I've taken from him. If that answers your question. More than you now, know. <laughs> now, with you guys growing up uh, with your dad, I mean, did you, were you interested in what he was doing music-wise? Did you have an understanding of like, hey, he's a he's a major player and he's involved in all these different things? Or was it you looking at him like, ah, oh, that's just dad and he's telling war stories? Ryrip, you want to answer this? You want me to go? Oh, I can answer it. Uh, well, I was I was kind of young when he was like still like really in his music thing heavy. Like with SRC, I was probably like seven, eight, maybe even younger, and I wasn't even born when Loud was around. So like, I kind of just looked at him like as dad. I knew what he did, but I didn't realize how big he was and like how much of an impact he made. So I was like probably fifteen or sixteen when I did research on my own, and then like. So yeah, that's really it. And and how much? So when he gives you guys advice, how much do you really listen? Are you listening in terms of, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take this advice and put it to work, or is it kind of in one ear out the other? Because I, you know, coming from different generations, we know like uh, when our parents might tell us something that it's like, all right, whatever, we got to learn learn it the hard way on our own. I mean, how do you guys approach that? Oh, I'll, I'll answer that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you ask my dad, he'll say I don't take any of his advice. But, <laughs> but to the contrary, I listen to everything he says because he sold, what, 200 million records, which is 
crazy. So, of course, you have to listen to it. Um, and then I think you got to just take it situation by situation as well. Um, every situation is different. And you kind of got to plug and play. So sometimes I'll take his advice. We'll plug in. If it works, we'll keep going. If it doesn't, I'll, we re-strategize. Or me and my dad will just go back and forth on the dialogue on strategy. So it's really just um, it's a lot of just strategic talks. But no, I definitely listen to him. I would be an idiot if I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. We come up, we come up pretty idiotic, a lot of us. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that, because, uh, because you know, one thing is to listen and consider. The other thing is to do exactly what your father or your parents are telling you, right? I think, to some degree, you being able to ingest information and then you know pick your pick your path from that information, that that builds a lot of character and it's probably something that I'm sure your dad probably encourages because his path was different from his dad and so on and so forth. But it's, it's encouraging to hear that because me as a father of three, my kid, my eldest is 13. I find that her listening to me, I don't, I don't actively see it. Right. So I feel like it is like the one in, in one ear out the other kind of situation, but then she'll do certain things. She plays ball too. So she'll do certain things and then I'm like, yo, we went over that. Like, I was pounding it in her head. Like, yo, you got to do this. You got to stop doing that. And then uh, a after a while, it starts to kind of um, become her. You know, not everything, but mm -hmm. certain things, you know, that that she feels are important. Uh, and I kind of throw so, it back to you, S Steve, real fast. Like, how you, your son, Alex, just mentioned, like, you, you may say that, you don't. he doesn't listen to you. Do you find some similarity in what I'm saying to how your sons react to your advice? Um, and how I reacted to my dad's advice? Right. Also, exactly. Well, no, I, um, no. I mean, not necessarily Ryan, but Alex is more level-headed. Ryan is a lot like me. Um, Alex is really level-headed, where he might listen, but, but you know, he's still going to do what he wants to do. I didn't listen at all. You know, the, the, the only time I, I listened, um, when I got offered the label, when I got offered the label, I said, no, actually, um, I was happy with what I was doing. I was marketing a bunch of records. I had no pressure. I would leave the, you know, I'm, I was living in LA. I'd leave the office at three, go to the park, play ball from four to five thirty. go back, shower, come back to the office, do my reports and do my to-do list for tomorrow. And I was, you know, making, I was young. I was, you know, my maybe 26, 27, making good six figures. And then um, when I was in New York for a wedding and I was staying at Rich Isaacson's apartment, who was my my childhood best friend, who eventually ended up being my partner on Loud, um, was a lawyer. And my dad, he goes, I need to see you. I'm like, oh, fuck, what did I do now? <laughs> right? I did that to myself. And I jumped on the train. I went to Long Island. And he explained to me, what the asset business is, how it makes money while you're sleeping, you yeah. know, and then you could eventually sell something, you know, this, that, so on. And that really made sense to me. So I listened, I called the attorney, I said, All right, I'm ready to start this record company. Say, yeah, you know, I'm ready to do this deal. Mm. Um, and that was really the only time I ever really listened without us really having a fight or anything. Um, but, you know, I learned, you know, when my dad started and when that spring, it was a totally different animal than what Loud was and then what SRC was. And, you know, 
you know, you had to deal with the mob. You had to deal with it. You know, there were so many things that you had to deal with, with my dad. And that's why I was so lenient with the artist because mm. I didn't want to have that reputation. Even though my dad had a great reputation, I'd be like, I'm not a, I never considered myself an A&R guy. I was, I always considered myself a promotion guy, even to this day. You make what you want to make. My job is to promote it and market and sell it and stream as many records as we possibly can. So th that's why my relationship with the artist and we never fought over money. Mm. Okay, so you bubble. So right, I want to jump to you for a second in, in your, your music career at this point. Um, you were, you play basketball, but you've kind of pivoted to, to music at this point. What, what got you in that direction? Uh, well, my group, of, I had a group of friends at school that also rapped. And one time about at this time last year, they had a studio session and like we just all hopped on a song like for fun. And it was my first time rapping, actually. And I'm like, you know, like maybe I should give this a shot when the season's over. And, you know, because of COVID season ended kind of early. And my brother, he just he was like, you should try it. And yeah, that's it. I'm just I'm still new. I started rapping only like six months ago. So yeah, I'm just trying it out. That's dope. And do you do you do you shy away from? The, so I mean, I, I want to. You don't shy away from it, but in just in terms of like the the family that you come from, and I guess the access to to music and the access to the industry. Have you had any kind of backlash with that from from peers or anyone? Like, oh, you know, you you're, you're able to get on easy, uh, as opposed to people saying how they struggle to get on. Have you had to deal with any of that? <laughs> yeah, like two weeks ago when we released like the uh like a little visualizer for run it up, some old dude, I don't even like I don't even know where he came from. He was just he was going at me in the comments. It was funny to me, but it was like he was just mad that, you know, my dad put me on and like there's other kids who been rapping longer than me that might be better than me that don't that didn't get a shot and it was just like, I don't know, I don't really care. I thought it was funny. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Steve? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I consulted, I'm going to tell you guys a story. I consulted with Phil Knight and Nike for a long time. Um, Phil had a somebody named Travis Knight. Travis wanted to be a rapper. <laughs> really? He hired, no, this is a true story. He hired Hank Shockley from Public Enemy yep. mm -hmm. to produce the album. Hank gets me with, um, the, Phil Knight and a guy by the name of Howard Slusher, and they made a deal with MCA. And the only thing that Phil Knight said, he goes, I don't care if I sell a record or if I sell 10 million records. To me, it's, I just want my son to get up to the plate and swing and, and take a chance. So that stuck with me for life, mm. right? If they fail, all right, they fail. But you know what? You, you get up. And, 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 you, and, you, and you go on. I mean, so, you know, with that guy that Ryan was talking about, it's in their DNA. So he's going to work. He's going to work. I mean, they're both athletes. I mean, at the end of the day, they locked themselves in the gym up until whatever, you know, and then, you know, Alex played college ball too. So it was like, that's a different type of fucking beast that they have to do, you know, especially, mm -hmm. was it preseason training, Alex, during the summer when, you, you know, you have to yeah. run yeah, you know, so it's like 
the, I'm not worried about their work ethic. That that's in their DNA. Now, if they make right, he he came to this. He came to us and said, you know, well, that, he brought it to Alex and they brought it to me. And they said, listen to these three records. It blew my mind. I'm not. I'm just not going to put him on front street because he's my son. Yeah, right. If I think you know, if I think he could you know swing the bat and get on base, we're going to go for it. The way if they wanted to be a doctor or a construction worker or whatever the fuck they wanted. I'm going to support my kids, you know, and then we got my daughter who's running the whole social media stuff for all of us. That's a damn, that's dope. So it's a, it's a true through and through family business. That's, that's popping off here. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. You know, but you know, and that, that's Ry Riff's twin, you know, so she's in school taking finals. Otherwise she would have been on with us right, right now, that but been. she's in charge of also media for all of us. That's ill. So, you know, generationally, you hear and Rye Riff. I, I'd love to kind of have this conversation with you because the the older folks, right? I, I consider myself an older guy. I'm, I'm 40 now. I know I don't look it, so don't don't get crazy. But um, uh, the um, the the genre of hip hop today, you hear. I'm sure you hear this all the time, right? It's very different than the the generation of hip hop that your father helped create, right? That's that's more like my speed of hip hop. Not that I dislike today's, but it's different, right? I gravitate toward that '90s era stuff. Your brand is more now. It's got a different sound, right? Do you get? How do you feel about the old hip hop versus the style of hip hop that you're locked in on right now? And how much does that play into how you create? I mean, I like the old hip hop. There was a point in time where I didn't like a lot of new artists, but uh, it kind of grew on me, and now that's what I like. But uh, I wouldn't say it really plays into like how I create music, because you know, it's not that's not the type of rapper I am. You know, I would like to try it one day, but as of right now, it's, it doesn't really play into how I make music. How, how much does Alex help steer your creative process, or does he kind of remove himself? From it, because I know Alex, you manage Ride, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you guys collaborate? Because I have to imagine influences are shared, but like, how do you kind of separate the two? Because I'm sure you need your own space. Right. You uh, want to answer? Or you want me? You go ahead. Uh, yeah, I can answer. Alex helps me a lot because, like, he's just, I don't know. Like, my dad said, Alex is a little, is like, he's level headed, so it's easy to talk to him about a lot of stuff and you know he just and he's also knows the music business more than me so he knows what he's talking about so it's it's easy to listen to him okay fair so how do you guys separate if you're all intertwined with business and and it's family how do you guys i guess separate when you need to separate any kind of business from like if you guys are pissed off at each other on some family shit how do you guys separate that from from getting things done on the business side if that even happens oh it happens um i have this you said yeah you got it um you know like i said i'll get mostly ryan's face um like boom 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 you know, and then Alex is the mediator. And then um, with me and Alex, it's like, you know, it's like, all right, what are we doing with Rye? Like, is he ready? Is he ready for the, like, even about this podcast, you know, 
And I'm like, you know what? We got to throw motherfuckers in the water and see if they can swim. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to let them. I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not going to let them drown. I'm not going to let either one of them drown. But you know, that's really, you know, I'm not overthinking shit. And that's really, you know, what it is. And then Alex keeps on going to rye. It's like, we're ready, right? You're ready for this. You're ready for this. You know. And right is saying, yeah. So, you know, a manager does I'm getting some water. I'll be right back. Go Go ahead. So a manager's job, right, is to protect the artist from the from the label trying to have them do shit that (laughs) he may not want to do. So in this situation, my dad's the label and I'm the manager and Rye Riff is the artist. So I'm I'm team Rye Riff. I'm a fan of even outside of music. I'm a fan of people doing something when they have love for it, like full love for it. Cause am I, I'm a, I'm not going to go down this path, but like when you do something with love, the money will come tenfold because the energy surrounding the project has so much love and so much positive energy that gets dispersed into the universe. Right. So anything that we're going to do regarding my riff, I want to make sure he's 100% bought in. Um, My dad likes to move quick all day, every day. I don't like to do that. I like to move quick, but I like to make sure we're all invested with the energy. So that's my that's my role. So sometimes my dad will want to do stuff. So I guess to answer the question about family and business, when does it separate? It separates when it has anything to do with Ryder doing something. I don't know if he's 100% ready to do. So I'll always have his back on that. Damn, it's dope. It's dope to have like a mediator in the mix, right? Because it's very clear just the way you even move in this screen. Like we're not in the same room. I can't feel your energy, you know, physically. But like you, you are kind of that that equilibrium for the dynamic. So that's that's really interesting, Um, Steve. But 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 Manny, wait wait a sec. But let me just finish what I. He still then he has his twin sister who is extremely protective over him. That you know. And his mom, who I'm, and I'm petrified of both. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, it's like, you know, so it was like their birthday the other night. Like we didn't even talk business really. We, we me and the mom spoke business for a second, just to you know figure out. You know, he needs. Uh, I told him he needs to find an attorney, and I gave three or four attorneys that she should speak to, mm-hmm. with with Alex, and that was the only business we really discussed. And then you can otherwise it was just family. Otherwise time. it was just chill. Right. Yeah. So so on the topic of legacies, right? We we've been exploring music and kind of talking about the, the legacy of music here. Uh, there's also kind of a legacy in basketball. Cause you mentioned, Steve, you were you you used to hoop at, at some point, right? You never, I guess, reached where you were expecting to. But your kids have got, I mean, right, you playing at Sierra with, you know, the likes of cats that you were playing with, you got buddies of yours that are pro right now and then alex you were playing at long beach uh collegiately which is no walk in the park right like how do you feel steve like with where they've been able to go and rye riff by no means am i saying you're done i think there's probably still a lot for you to do basketball wise if you chose to how how do you look at it steve because i'm kind of in your shoes a little bit where it's like i want my kids to pursue basketball because that was my love but I never went anywhere with it. Like, you know, high school, coming out of the Bronx, I wasn't making no high school team. So 
mm-hmm. you know, your kids have reached certain heights already. How do you look at that? And what kind of pride do you feel? The pride is that they surpassed me. You know, you know, as a dad, you want them to surpass you in, in all aspects of life. Mm-hmm. In business, personal, you know, so from a sports perspective, they both surpassed me. I never won a state championship. Ryan won states last year. I never averaged 20 points in high school. I think Alex did, you know, close to it. Um, and that's, you know, so from from that level, you know, you want them to succeed and you want them to surpass you. Dope. That makes and sense. Even like, and then even on a business aspect. You know, it's like there was my grandfather, then there was my dad and uncle, and then there were my cousins who were a little bit older than me, and then there was me. Now there's Alex, and then there's my cousin's kids. You know, and it's like, you know, so it's it's going to keep on. You know, they were lawyers and extremely good lawyers, you know. So it's like, you know, we have all bases covered. But I want, if you're younger than me, I want you to surpass me. And not make the mistakes that I made. So, so can, can we you talk ever? About, yeah, go ahead. Okay. No, I was just going to ask, Steve, are you, were you ever dubious at all? When, so when, when Rye came to you and Alex came to you that he, he wanted to be, not wanted to be an artist, but was doing music. I mean, knowing what you know from, from studio sessions and just being in the world of music and, and the kind of shit that artists get into sometimes ever ever nervous about that when when they said all right we want to be in the music game here no i mean you, you talk about with violence and shit like that uh, just drugs violence any anything that can that can potentially come I along mean, with it sometimes um you know you got to raise your you know from not from a music but just you know from a father son or a mother you know a mother father raising their kids i, I think they know you know, not right from wrong, but, you know, when to walk away from something if something doesn't right. smell right or, or not kosher, you know, and that's something that, you know, we we explain all the time. Um, and then, you know, whatever goes on in, in the studio, they, you know, I just hope that they're going to be aware the way I was aware. You know, it's like Alex is 25 years old. He's going to make his own fucking decisions. Well, what he's going to do, Ryan's 20. He's going to make yeah. his own decisions too. You know, I could only lead him so far and I can't be with them 24 hours a day. And they're not with each other 24 hours a day. So it's like, you know, they just got to know when to walk and just, you know, and knowing that I'm going to be there, God forbid if something does happen. Did you ever censor the music at all when, when they were growing up? Did, were you guys protective no. of what they listened to or anything like that? No, nah, I mean their mom. You know, me and the, me and their mom split when they were a little bit younger, and she's my best friend now. But I didn't censor anything. I don't know if mom censored anything for you guys when you would be in the car with them. I feel like Alex has a story he wants to share because that grin was <laughs> heavy. Hey, I do. Uh, remember, like a pet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, David. David Banner. Yeah. Yeah. Flip. So, one summer, uh, we rented a house. My dad rented a house in Malibu, and I thought I was home alone. So I'm watching like MTV, the music video. So it was MTV or, or 106 in Park. It was one of them. And Like a Pimp came on, and I was a real quiet kid, but so I ne- would never sing the songs, but I knew every word because I was shy. And Like a Pimp was my favorite song. 
Um, then, you know, that's the first time I ever, I'm like six or seven. All right, first time I ever seen a girl twerk. Like, I'm just totally, yeah, so I was just totally infatuated with the video, but I also love the song. It was my favorite song. And I'm rapping, it comes on like BET 106 and Park or something. And I'm thinking I'm home alone and I'm rapping it word for word. Like, they're bleeping on TV. I'm screaming the curse words, like going crazy. And I turn around and my dad is watching me the whole time. And I was just so embarrassed and I just walked out. But to answer, just to say, like, there was no censorship at any point when I ever listened to music. I, I would hate the versions I, at like seven. I don't, I don't remember that, but I mean, I didn't say anything, did I? No, you was laughing. You've never been so happy. But like, I was embarrassed because I don't like to show my... <laughs> your emotion I, I, I didn't like to show my uh just my my personality i was just so shy so just a quick that's funny explicit <laughs> story <laughs> oh so, so let's talk a little bit about the the relaunch of of loud as a uh, loud music group um what 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 prompted you um to make that happen was it was it rye riff rye riff was a big part of it okay um as Rye came with the records, um, this guy by the name of City Outwater came to me who knows how to find these amazing records on TikTok and just like um, came to me and he says, you know, I want to start this distribution thing, this, that, or whatever, you know, um, and then I really want to learn from you. So I really liked him. And, um, and then, you know, I was managing um, the Suicide Boys with Dana Beyonce. I said, you know, and, then, and they already knew each other. So I put them two together, let them run it. And that's how the lab music group really came. You know, I can't do, you know, what, you know, it's, it's like what I told him yesterday. I go, is today's business about a song or is it about an artist? So, you know, I'm still about the artist. Um, so we're going to have a little of everything. You know, I'm going to find my artist. He's going to figure out what the next record on TikTok is. And, um, and you know, and we're going to keep it from there. Is, so. is, is Chosen involved in Loud at All or is two separate things? They're separate things. Okay. And Rye is signed to both? Through both? or No, he's, no, he, no, he's signed to Loud. Okay, got it. I see you smiling there, Alex. That... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was one time I was like, yo, like, can we, <laughs> the moment I even went, like the first three words of going in that direction, he was like, shut the fuck up. I'm signing. I'm like, all right, you got it. <laughs> so he made it clear from the jump. So that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> um, Rye, um, I, I, I know, I know you've been a little quiet over here, but I have a question for you, my brother. What, um, what do you think? And, and you're still a baby in the grand scheme of things 20 well both of you are but like 20 is like you just getting started in life what have you learned that you can safely say has made a difference for you so far from your father like in terms of music in general just like as a as well, i mean music can be involved in this but i mean just as your dad like what's been like a sound piece of advice that you know right now has made a difference in your life and just basically just to work hard, like like Alex said earlier, he sold a lot of records and he made a lot of money. So and he worked and he got that by working hard. So that's just basically it. Just work hard at anything you do. Doesn't matter if you're 
constructor or work at like a gas station or something, or if you're a rapper or a basketball player, you just got to work. How about you, Alex? Um, can you say the question again? I, I, my answer probably will still be the same as Ryan. So can you just answer, ask the question again? Please? Yeah, yeah. Just like what's the biggest piece of advice you've taken away from your dad this, thus far? Um, definitely, definitely work ethic, but also um, kind of how to, you know, sell something as well. How to how to frame it and how to articulate what you're bringing to the table. Oh, how about you, Cause Steve? Because the advice to me would be a little different than Ryan because I'm yeah. not an artist. Right. So he's going to give me advice from an executive mindset. You know what I'm saying? But the artistry, it's 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 the same, but it's a little different just because it's a different lane of the business. And Steve, how about you? What have you learned from your kids that, that has actually impacted you? Because just because you're the elder statesman don't mean you can't learn stuff from them. Oh, no question. It's listening. Hmm. You know, um, that, you know, it's, you know, as you can see between the three of us, Alex is the spiritual one and just, you know, knows how to really communicate and, you know, and say what he's feeling. Um. I go everything on a different type of energy, you know, and this is Ryan right here, just, you know, cool back, you know, laid back. <laughs> um, so it's, it's about listening. I don't understand. Like we just got, you know, the record came out on Thursday and the, Shaz and the Shazam numbers are really, really strong. Mm. I had no idea what the fuck Shazam was. <laughs> right. So it was like, you know, so Alex was explaining it to me. So when we got, you know, then it's, um, it's funny because, you know, Flex is playing the shit out of the record. Yes, he was. I was hearing him. Yeah. Um, no, he still is. Well, I, I mean, like night, around yeah. the drop yeah. date, like the 18th. He was like, yeah. I, I counted like four or five different times back to back to back how Flex does. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, but the Shazam numbers in Atlanta, I mean, that's our number one city. Hmm. So I don't know if it's because of how it sounded or if somebody else started playing it in, in Atlanta. So, you know, this is what, you know, I'm learning it. And Alex, you know, I listened and he explained to me, you know, really how it works. Mm. That's dope. Yeah, so. So to kind of close out, Steve, I just want to find out, kind of going back to your dad for a second. Um, when you started having kids and knowing that your dad was kind of 24-7 on, on the music side, were there specific things that you thought to yourself, like, this is this is what I'm going to do when I raise kids? Mm. Um, That's a great question. No, I, I, can I tell you a funny story? You can yeah. tell us two if you want. Me and my wife, all right, me and my wife are on a honeymoon. Um, we're in the south of France. And um, Alex was already born. Alex was uh, two years old. So um, we had my parents take care of Alex. So my parents said, uh, my parents lived in Long Island. They had a great house. They lived on the water or pool, every, everything like that. And they said, um, is it cool if we bring them to Long Island? I never told their mom. So we're in the South, on our honeymoon. Yep. We're in the South of France. And um, it just slips that my parents picked up Alex and he took it, you know, to Long Island. And, and she's like, you're going to let your father drive who's on the phone 24 hours a day in one hand and a blunt <laughs> in the other hand 
in the car driving. And she's from Trinidad. So the, the angrier she gets, I don't, I, I don't understand the word. So, but, you know, but what happened was, and I was like, you know what, you're right. And I was like, you know, I called them up and I called them up. I'm like, how'd you get to Long Island? You know, they said we sent the car, you know, so like he didn't drive, okay. but he still probably had the, the phone in one ear, the blunt, you know, in the other hand. And then my mom was probably just, you know, doing whatever they do, you know, but that was, um, yeah. So, I mean, just what I learned from my, I learned from my father, um, that family is everything, Right. So when out when out when Ryan's record was first on last week, Flex, they sent. I have the Hot ninety seven link. I send it to everybody, and I lose my mind that nobody's listening to it. Mm. Besides the three of us, right. <laughs> Nicole was out. She she was Christmas shopping with us. Uh, you know she's in the process of moving, and my daughter was studying or something. And I'm like, you know, I got crazy, but you know, so and I tried to explain to Alex. You know, this is about family and just everything support. Yeah. So, right, I, I got a question for you, man. So, run it up is out. Um, you getting bombs dropped by Funkmaster Flex? I don't, I don't even know if you understand what that means. I mean, your father's probably explaining it to you, but I, I don't have a real good grasp of how large Flex is today for you know your generation of cats. What, did you feel anything when you started to hear the news and like started to understand the magnitude of what was happening? Uh, yeah, it was basically it was just weird, like hearing myself on like a radio station. I didn't really know how big of a deal the bombs were, but like when he kept on replaying it, I what's called it definitely. I definitely knew it meant something that he was kept on replaying it. So it was definitely a cool feeling and. I had all my friends listening to when they were hyping me up, so it was cool. You were probably like, yo, what the fuck? Can you stop with these fucking bombs? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, was just, like, I was just confused. I was like, I was like, why is he, why I keep on hearing bomb noises? What was this? Like, I was <laughs> I was confused. Dope. So so you do you feel like you got the bug? Like this is something you see yourself doing, you know, longer than right now? Uh yeah, but I still feel like I still need to work more and get better i'm still not all the way confident with some of the other stuff i got so i just want to keep working at it before i really release any any more stuff dope nice and uh any any parting shots before we go steve any anything well, we didn't any talk about any gems for us steve basketball season starts in, in an hour in an hour <laughs> no actually the nets uh Nets go to State game is on at four o'clock, seven yes. o'clock your time. Yes. Um, no, but you know, I got you know, this Thursday will be seven years since I had this crazy heart attack, right? Yeah. I got five more years, and then they're gonna have to visit me on an island and drop a bag off every you know once a month. So they know what they gotta do for the next five years. <laughs> Y'all better get your grind on. That's a big yeah. ass bag you gotta drop off. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all ready for all yeah, that? You know, yeah. Nice. All right. <laughs> Yo, guys, man, thank thank you so much for joining right. us. Appreciate this was it. fun. Appreciate it. Wait, uh, Robert, what's thanks, your IG? Where, where where can we listen to the music? Yes, please. Management, management. Yeah, listen Love to it. my. <laughs> <laughs>
You can listen to Run It Up on all streaming platforms, Spotify, music, just type in Rye Riff, Run It Up, and you should be able to find it. And my Instagram is just Rye Riff, R-Y-R-I-F. R-Y-R-I-F. Y'all hear that? Yeah. Perfect. All right, brother. Well, we'll, we'll, all right, guys. we'll be listening for more bombs, my G. You you keep right. keep running it up. All right. <laughs> all right. Have a great holiday. You too. All Take right. care. Happy holidays, right, everyone. Appreciate y'all. Later. Later. Appreciate it. Bye. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child. Be a father to your child.